And welcome to a new series, and we're calling it Hashtag Blessed. Now, Hashtag Blessed is an often used phrase in social media, right? You would know that better than me. Uh, many times, uh, you know, people laugh about it sometimes because a lot of times people just use it to brag. Look at me. Look at how, look at how good I am. I got the, the most beautiful wife or the best looking husband in the world or, or whatever, but, uh, uh, or many times just to make us look good, hashtag blessed. And by the way, that word is used a lot. Sometimes uh, you ask somebody, hey, how you doing? And they'll say, blessed, right? Uh, or sometimes a clerk or some other business person will wish you a blessed day when you leave her presence or his presence. But what does it mean to be blessed? And why is it important to be blessed? We're going to be talking about that uh, today and then on through for the next few weeks. As residents of beautiful Escambia County, Florida, uh, we think we have a right to certain things, you know, to be blessed with beautiful homes and safe schools and, and great weather. Maybe a little hot right now, but hey, get out about six o'clock in the morning. It's as nice as it gets right now. As citizens of the United States, we assume that it's our divine right to good health and security and safety and freedom and all the stuff that we enjoy just by living where we live. And we often forget that most of the world is struggling just to survive, just to get up and have something to eat that day and be alive when the sun goes down that night. Just put it in perspective, and I've given you some of these statistics uh, over the years, if you have food in your refrigerator, clothes on your back, and a roof over your head, you're richer than 75% of the people in the world right now. If you have some money in the bank to go along with that, you're richer than 92% of all the people in the world. That puts you in the top 8%. If you have never experienced danger in battle, the loneliness of imprisonment, the agony of torture, the pangs of starvation, you're already ahead of 500 million people on this planet that have experienced those things, some of them on an everyday basis. If you can attend a public worship service like this one without fear of harassment, arrest, torture, or death, you're more blessed than three billion people on this planet, about 40% of the seven and a half billion or so people that are alive on the planet right now. We forget how blessed we really are. For the past several weeks, we were looking at uh, a letter written by the Apostle John, the Apostle of Love, 1 John, and we learned some things we can count on. And to start this series, I thought we'd jump back to the gospel that John wrote, or the, the story of the life of Jesus that John wrote. It begins, his story of the life of Jesus begins in John 1, 1 with these words, in the beginning was the word. And we find, we're gonna, we, you read through there, you find that the word is Jesus. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And then a little bit later in that chapter, verse 14, he says, and the word became flesh. God became man, Jesus became human. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, lived here with us, like us. And we beheld his glory. We, could, we saw him. John saw him personally. We beheld his glory, 
the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. When Jesus revealed God to us, it was all about grace and all about truth. We read that psalm this morning about the grace of God that's always in us. We're going to talk more about that word grace uh, through the morning and how it relates to blessed uh, in this series, hashtag blessed. But let's begin today with this thought from John. A little bit later on in chapter 1, chapter 1, verse 16, John said something that you have to read a few times and talk about to get the full impact of it. John said, and of his or of God's fullness, that full of grace and truth that Jesus brought to us, of his fullness we've all received, and grace for grace. Let me read that to you one more time. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. We have all received something of God's abundance, his power, his goodness, his grace, his forgiveness, his truth. That starts with the gift of life itself and the gift of eternal life that he gives us in Jesus Christ. But there's far more to it than that. And of his fullness, we have all received and grace for grace. The idea is something that we can relate to uh, in Pensacola because it's kind of like waves rolling up on the beach. You know, one wave comes in and washes up on the beach and it's followed by another wave, washes up on the beach and followed by another wave. Uh, the, uh, it's, it's like wave after wave of God's grace coming in. Grace where grace is needed. Blessing upon blessing. I like to read various translations of scripture sometimes to give us a, a better idea of things. The New International Version of that verse reads like this. Out of his fullness, out of God's fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. God gives us grace and then another wave is coming right behind it. The New Living Translation explains the verse this way. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. I know there's bad things in our life because we live in a bad world sometimes. Um, sometimes we focus on the bad, but wave after wave of God's grace rolls in over us. The Amplified Bible says this, or out of his fullness, that, uh, that is out of God's abundance, we have all received, we all had a share, we were all supplied with one grace after another, and spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, and every favor upon favor, and gift, hip, gift heaped upon gift. Well, I read all that, spent some time, because uh, the, the idea that John gives us is that, that, that the word is eternal, uh, Jesus is eternal, but he became a man, and he brought the fullness of the grace and the truth of God, and that continues to roll over us like the sea coming in on the shore of the beach. Every good thing you have in your life is a blessing from God. Now, I know we think we earned it a lot of times, and we think we deserve it. And by the way, if we think we deserve things, that gets us in trouble a lot of things. I deserve this. So I'm going to go out and buy it. But we think we've earned it. We think we deserve it. But God says, no, it's, it's all about grace. But I worked for what I have, and that is true. And if you work for what you have, good for you. I'm glad that you did. But where did you get your ability to work? Not everybody, and you don't retain that ability 
always. And where did you get your intelligence and your creativity and your health and your life? It is all a result of the grace of God. Uh, there's an outline in the bulletins uh, this morning with these sayings in it. We're saved by grace, Ephesians chapter 2. We're forgiven by grace, Isaiah 43. We're strengthened by grace, Philippians chapter 2. We're set free from problems and sins of this life by grace, Matthew 11. We're given talents by grace, Romans 12. We're, we're used by God's grace, Ephesians 3. We're kept saved by grace, the book of Jude. We're transformed by grace, Romans chapter 12. We grow by grace, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. You remember a guy... Uh, if you studied any literature, you know the name I'm about to mention. Robert Louis Stevenson lived in the 19th century. He was a Scottish novelist, poet, essayist, musician, uh, travel writer, and so forth. He read a couple of little. He wrote a couple of little things called one of them called Treasure Island. You remember that one? Uh, and uh, the strange case of jo Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Some of the things that he wrote. But here's a quotation from Robert Louis Stevenson. There is nothing but God's grace. There is nothing but God's grace. We walk upon it. We breathe it. We live and die by it. It makes the nails and axles of the universe. Everything good, everything solid that we have, Robert Louis Stevenson said, is the grace of God. Uh, grace is what holds everything together. Speaking about Jesus, the apostle Paul wrote this uh, in his letter to the church at, at uh, Colossae, he said, and he, Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things consist. He came first, he was before everything, and he holds everything together. New Living Translation explains it. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. If it wasn't for God's grace in your life, Everything would fall apart. Your family would fall apart. Your nation would fall apart. Your, your world would fall apart. There would be no gravity without the grace of God. The universe would either explode or implode. It's all held together by the goodness of God. Every good thing, every solid thing in life is a blessing from God. Now, for the next few weeks, we're going to look at why God blesses your life how God blesses your life, and what God wants to do with the blessings that he puts in your life. But before we go down that path individually, and each Sunday in the next three or four weeks, we're going to look at some individual things, I want today to look at the subject of a blessed life or how to live a blessed life. How you can put hashtag blessed and truly mean it from a spiritual perspective. And somebody asks you, hey, how are you doing? and you say blessed, you can be truthful in that. So I'm gonna, we're going to look today quickly at four things that we need to do to receive God's blessing. Now, by the way, obviously everyone enjoys some of God's blessing. We all walk on the solid planet, right? We all, the rain falls from heaven on all of us. The sun shines on everybody. Uh, Jesus said that loving people who mistreat us makes us more like God because God blesses people who mistreat him. Uh, in fact, uh, Jesus said in Matthew 5, God makes the, his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. So sometimes you get blessed just by being alive. You know, some things everybody gets, what, no matter what they think about God. 
But we're talking about going beyond that. Four things I must do. Here's the first thing I need to do to lead a blessed life. I need to receive God's blessings through Jesus or through Christ. I need to have a relationship of God, with God through Jesus Christ. Everything God does for you and to you and through you and in you and by you and with you, he does because of Jesus. He doesn't bless you because you're a good person. He blesses you because of Jesus. So if you want God's blessings in your life, you need to have a relationship with God through Jesus. We talk about that a lot. When the Apostle Paul wrote his inspired letter to the church that was in the city of Ephesus, he wrote this, blessed, there's that word, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Blessed be God, he's blessed us and it's all in Christ. All of God's blessings are wrapped up in Jesus. He's the source. Now, religions teach that you get God's blessings by keeping a certain set of rules or a certain set of rituals. If you'll do this and say this and act this way and walk this way and talk that way, uh, then you will be blessed by God. But God says that you get his blessings by having a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. That's where the blessings of God come. Now, we've all heard that word. We've been talking about that word grace, G-R-A-C-E. It's, it's a woman's name too, right? Grace. Uh, but we're talking about the concept of grace. We may even connect it with God. But let me read one of my favorite grace passages uh, in Scripture. Sorry, verse earlier than I normally do. But in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 7, 8, and 9, uh, God loved us and saved us so that... And here's where the, the verse begins. So that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, in ki his kindness toward us in Christ. And then he goes on to describe this grace of God and his kindness to us. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, this gift of eternal life, this thing we call being saved or born of God. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not, not because of anything you did, not because you're so great or I'm so great, not because we're better than anybody else, because we're not, but it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast, because if we could work for it, we'd brag about it. But we've got nothing to brag about because it's all about God and it's all about Jesus. We're given the gift of eternal life. We're born into God's family through Jesus Christ. And it's only because of God's grace. God does everything in your life simply because of grace. So what's grace? I'd like to have been able to put these definitions up. But listen carefully. First definition of grace, grace is God giving us what we need rather than what we deserve what we need rather than what we deserve. For instance, we deserve punishment because nobody here is perfect. We've all done some stuff we shouldn't do. We deserve punishment, but God gives us forgiveness. That's what grace is. You know, When we deserve something that is not good, 
and God gives us something that is good, that is grace. Here's another thing about grace. Grace is every blessing that God is able to give you because of Jesus Christ. You need grace to get out of bed in the morning. Uh, you need grace to go to work. You need grace to treat your husband the right way, to treat your wife the right way, to treat your children the right way, to treat your parents the right way with the respect that's due. You need the grace of God to do your job. You need the grace of God to, to make good decisions. You need God's grace in everything that you do. Grace, G-R-A-C-E. Somebody made an acrostic out of that. God's riches at Christ's expense, G-R-A-C-E. God's riches, the fullness of God upon us because Jesus died on the cross to pay the price of our sin. Jesus Christ has paid for all the blessings in your life and it's only in a relationship with God through Jesus that you can really begin to appreciate that. Christianity 101 begins like this. First, God made you. God created you. He made you to know him. He made you to love him and to be loved by him. He made you to serve his purposes on this earth, which is what gives you fulfillment. And he made you to live with him throughout all eternity. Secondly, on your own, you haven't done a good job of any of that stuff. You haven't gotten to know God, at least not very well. And how can you love him if you don't know him? And, and, and you've not served his purposes on this earth. Now, purposes go well beyond that, but let me just give you a little, couple of little nitpicky examples. When you got up this morning, you probably didn't say, even though it's Sunday, you probably didn't say, God, what do you want me to do today? Now, you really don't have to ask about church because that's the right thing to do. If you have a job, probably what God wants you to do probably has something to do with going to work. If you have children, God's will for your plan for your life has something to do with your children, but we don't ask him, God, what is it that you want me to do today? And when you get your paycheck, whenever that comes in, you usually don't say, God, how do you want me to spend this? Because <laughs> you have some thoughts of your own, right? Now, probably has uh, how God wants you to use your money has to do with give, save, spend, right? Give, save, spend. But we need to ask God that. And when you plan your time, you probably don't say, God, what do you want me to do with my time today? Who do you want me to invest in today? Now, God calls those things when we don't include him. That's one of the things he calls sin. And so God made us, but we're separated from God by sin. And so the third thing in Christianity 101 is this. God sent Jesus to this world to bring us back to him. He came and he died on the cross so that everything we've done wrong can be wiped out and we can come back into that relationship with him. There'll never be a better time if you haven't trusted Christ as your savior than now to do that. If you have come to that point where you've thought about what your situation is, you realize that what God has done for you, and then you need to trust in Christ. The scripture is pretty clear that there's a prayer that needs to be prayed to God where we confess our sin to him and acknowledge that we know who he is. We trust in him. We know that Jesus died for us. We want to become a part of his family. Uh, now, a lot of you have already settled that. Most of you perhaps have already settled that. I don't believe everybody uh, has, and some of us still have questions about those things. But when you get that settled, then you're ready to move on to the second key to God's blessings in your life, 
and that's this. We need to celebrate God's blessings by worshiping him. Now, when I say worship here, I'm going to connect it with the word thanks, thanksgiving, thanking God for who he is and what he's done and all the good stuff in your life. God loves to bless people who are grateful for what he's done for them. Uh, he's not really too excited about people who are just interested in what are you going to give me next, God? But he loves blessing people who are grateful and thankful. It's kind of like you. You do something for somebody and they really appreciate it. You want to do it again, don't you? But if you do something, somebody kind of blow it off like, yeah, well, thanks. Can you do any better than that? You're not too interested. Remember that worship is far more than a church service and music on a platform that we sing along with, although that's part of it. Worship is a lifestyle. It's an attitude of gratitude where you continually thank God for the good stuff in your life. If you'll thank God for the good stuff in your life regularly, the bad stuff won't have as great of an impact on you. So when you get up in the morning, you can say, God, thank you, I'm alive. One more time, you gave me another day. God, I take my shower in the morning. God, thank you for hot water. Yeah. God, thank you for these clothes that I'm getting ready to put on. God, thank you for breakfast that you've provided. God, thank you for this car that I can drive, this job that I go to, this free country that I live in. When you live in uh, or live with an attitude of perpetual thanksgiving, that's called worship. That's what worshiping is all about, perpetual thanksgiving. When you continually recognize that all the good stuff comes from God, that's called worship. And God, when God sees you do that, he wants to bless you more. Again, why would he want to bless you more if you're ungrateful, if you never acknowledge the good things that he's done? Paul wrote this, 1 Thessalonians, church at Thessaloniki in northern Greece. Chapter 5, verse 16, he said, always be joyful. That ain't easy. That's a whole sermon, and we're not going to do that, talk about that. Verse 17, never stop praying. I don't always feel like prayer. I don't always feel like praying to God. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. I don't always feel like praying. Sometimes Gene and I do our Bible reading at night, and I'm responsible for doing the prayer afterwards, and I really don't feel like it. But I do anyway. God knows what's going on. I'm not trying to, but I do anyway, because I know it's the right thing to do. Never stop praying. Verse 18, be thankful. This is what we're working towards. Be thankful in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. That's different. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Be thankful in. Some circumstances are bad. I said, we live in a bad world and bad stuff happens. Christians aren't people that go around with a silly grin on their face all the time because sometimes crying is what we need to do. Sometimes there's pain and suffering that's involved, but be thankful in all circumstances. There are things you can turn to God and thank God for in the worst of times, and that's what the apostle was talking about. Let's continually remember and be thankful for all that God has done for us through Jesus Christ. What goes on in this earth is not the last, it's not the end, it's not the eternal. There's a lot more good stuff 
He paid the penalty for our sins, though, so we don't have to go to hell. He broke the power of sin in my life, so I can change. I can be a different person. I don't have to get stuck in this rut that I get in. He's promised to be with me every step of the way in this life and meet all my needs. To the church at Rome, Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, this father in heaven who came to this earth as his son, but delivered him up for us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? In other words, if God was willing to make the ultimate sacrifice for us, he's not going to go back to heaven and say, okay, do the best you can. Right? He's going to say, I'm with you. I'm going to stick with you regardless of what happens. You have been eternally set free. That's about as much as you could possibly want to be thankful for. Now, some of us are in prison. We're in prison with guilt and resentment and bitterness and hatred and anger. And, and sometimes we're locked in the prison of loneliness and worry and anxiety or fear. Whatever prison you get into sometimes, the power of Jesus is able to set you free from that. So celebrate him through worship. Receive God's blessings through Christ. Celebrate God's blessings in worship. Be thankful for the good stuff all the time. Number three is this. Expect God's blessings by faith. You receive God's blessings in Christ. You celebrate God's blessings in worship. You expect God's blessings by faith. God blesses people who trust him, who believe in him, who expect to be blessed. Now, by expect to be blessed, I don't mean, okay, God, Give me all you got, you know. Uh, but I'm saying, all right, I'm going to step out here because God said he's going to take care of this, and I'm going to do it because God said he would take care of me. The great faith chapter of Scripture, Hebrews chapter 11, begins like this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Sounds like a nice riddle. Uh, rather than explaining away, let me give you the New Living Translation of that. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It, it, there's evidence at the basis of our faith, but faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. God blesses you when you trust him like that. And God loves it, by the way, when you expect him to take care of, him, of you from that, from that perspective. We say, Father, I'm in over my head here. You know, I can't handle this. I can't do this by myself, and I'm expecting you to bless me. And he said, that's my girl. That's my boy right there. You're doing exactly what I want. A, a few verses down in that Hebrews 11, chapter 6, uh, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without that kind of faith, where we say, God, I can't handle this on my own. God, this is too much uh, for me. God, I know that you're going to take care of this. I'm hurting right now, but I know you're going to be with me. And I'm going to just keep going because of that. That's what faith is all about. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, by the way. How many of you have worried this week instead of trusting God? Now, I just put my hand up. That's me. You know, yes, I've done that. I've worried this week instead of trusting God. I have chosen to worry on several occasions. Jesus was preaching one time. He was, it's called the Sermon on the Mount, by the way. Gene and I have been to this place where Jesus stood or close by because, you know, the land is still there. 
there's the Sea of Galilee, the Lake Gennesaret in, in Israel. And up on the north side, you know, on the, the one side kind of flat, but up on the north side, the mountains rise up. And Jesus was on the side of that mountain as it slopes down. And he preached this sermon. He said in Luke, recorded in Luke 12, 24, consider the ravens, these blackbirds, right? For they neither sow nor reap. They don't plant any seed, harvest any crop. They might eat some of your crop. But they have neither storehouse nor barn. They don't have anything stored up for next year. You know, you know, retirement's not an issue with them. And God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than birds? And he mentions a lot of other things, and later in his sermon, he continues like this. And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. And that doesn't mean don't plan your menu. That doesn't mean you don't go to work and say, hey, in our budget, we got this much money for food. That's not what it's about. But he's saying, don't spend your life worrying about what you're going to eat, what you're going to put on, and all that kind of stuff that we worry ourselves to death about. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows you need these things. In other words, you ask him for it, give us this day our daily bread, and you go on about your life and you expect God to meet that need. But here's what you were supposed to do, verse 31, but seek the kingdom of God. In Matthew's gospel, it says, seek first the kingdom of God. But what we're supposed to do, we make our plans and we work and we do the stuff that God gives us a brain to do. And then we seek the kingdom of God. In other words, we put God first in our lives and his kingdom work first. And all these, God takes care of all these things and all these things shall be added to you. Remember, God is your father. He knows what you need. And one, what we don't need is to worry. I worry. And you know what it means? When I am worrying, it means that I am not living by faith. Think about the greatest fear in your life right now, that knot that's in the pit of your stomach at 2 or 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning or wherever it might be, the thing that keeps you awake at night. Think about that. I don't want you to get too depressed at church, but think about that for a minute. God thought up the solution to that thing before you even knew it was a problem. He already knew about it. And he's saying to you at that time, will you trust me? How about just getting up in the morning? Go out and make good decisions and do right things and trust me. One more thing. And this is kind of the crux of the direction we're going to be going for a few weeks. I must share God's blessings with others. You receive God's blessings through a relationship in Christ. You celebrate them by worshiping, being thankful, perpetually thankful. You expect them by faith and you share them with others. God doesn't want to just bless your life. God wants your life to have some meaning. God wants your life to have some impact. Life is not about being comfortable. I like a little comfort. <laughs> I like a little luxury, I like, you know? But that's not what life is about. Life, God wants my life to have meaning. God doesn't just want to make you feel good. He wants to make you a blessing to other people. The more you share with others, the more God blesses your life. Paul wrote this to the church at Corinth, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. God can, get, God can take all that fullness of his that you don't deserve 
and make it overflow in your life, always having all sufficiency in all things, that is, having everything you need in life. God wants you to have a job where you make enough money where you can live. Always having everything you need that you may have an abundance for every good work. That is, so God's going to give you stuff, take care of you, so that, and have, you have enough you can go out and use that to somebody else. Let me read that in the New Living Translation. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. God says, I will abundantly bless you so that you can abundantly bless other people. Remember, everybody here is in the top 8% in the world as far as material blessings. Here's how it works. You start blessing others with what you have. And God will give you more. And then he gives you more so you can bless more. You can't say, well, when I reach this point, I'm going to start sharing. When I achieve a certain thing, I'm going to start sharing. When I get more, I'm gonna, when this happens in my life, I'm going to start sharing. No, you start sharing what you have, and God will give you more. Start, where do you start sharing? Now. In your poverty. That's when you start sharing with others. If you wait until you're comfortable, you'll never get there. You start sharing now. The reason that you're blessed is so that you can bless others. You know, God blesses me so that I can bless you. God blesses you so that we can, you can bless me. We all bless each other. That's the best way to live. Instead of I'm going to hoard up all I can get and I'm going to take care of me. And if I have a little piddly something left over, I'll share it with you. Okay, I'll do it. How can I bless others? Well, come back next week. <laughs> We're going to start talking about that. But for now, for now, I want to close with the words of Jesus. It's actually written down after his death, but in Acts chapter 20 and verse 35, the Apostle Paul is talking to some pastors, and he says to these pastors, remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. He said, remember Jesus said that. It's more blessed to give than to receive. So if you want God's blessings, start sharing your blessings with others. Now, if you love somebody, giving stuff that makes them happy is the greatest pleasure in life. Now, you don't mind getting a little something yourself every once in a while. That's kind of nice. You know, it's your birthday or Christmas. It's nice. But if you can do something that for somebody that you love, that's beyond the best. So I'm going I'm to close with four questions. <clears throat> if you get a copy of the outline in the bulletin, they'll be there. But ask yourself these questions through the week. Number one is this. What am I good at that I could do for other people? Not for profit, not starting a business, but what am I good at? What are my skills? What are my gifts that I could use to help other people? Question number two, what have I learned by experience that I could pass on to others so they don't make the same mistakes I made? Or uh, if, they, if they suffer the way I suffer, uh, I can help them. What have I learned by experience that I could pass on to others? Question number three, what do I have 
that I could give or loan to somebody who needs it. Chris Talbert has a trailer. I borrow that every once in a while. Kind of nice, you know, get that at, uh, at my disposal. What do I have that I could give or loan to somebody who needs it? And finally, and I leave you with this question. What do I, or who, who, not what, who do I know who needs to know Jesus Christ and whom I could invite to come to church next week? The greatest blessing you could give to anybody is to introduce that person to Jesus. After all, if somebody died for you, you'd want to know about it, wouldn't you? And Jesus died for everyone. Let's pray. Father, I know you're here, and I thank you. I thank you for being amongst that imperfect, sinful group that you've bestowed your grace on. And I ask you to give me the grace this week to live my life for you, to live my life caring about other people, to live my life concerned whether people go to heaven or hell. And I ask you to work in this group here today. Use us all. Touch our hearts. Let us hear from you. For those that have doubts, work in their doubts. For those that have desires, show them the way to go. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand.